Welcome to Legacy Sport Live, stories of the people who are shaping the conversation at the intersection of sport, business and purpose. I'm Neil Duffy, co-author of our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Today I'm talking to Idris Algandavar and Mike Geddes, co-founders of the Oakland Root Sports Club. Oakland Roots is a great example of a club's commitment to purpose beyond just winning games and making money. Idris and Mike share their insights and show how other professional sports teams can also make the leap to purpose. I'm really excited to have two guys from Oakland Roots with me today. Um, Idris Argadnaval, and I apologize if I, did I get it right? There we go. Uh, thank you for that. Idris and Mike, Mike Geddes, um, both uh, uh, involved in the leadership team at Oakland Roots and uh, our uh, regular um, Zoom bomber, Andrew Wisniewski. Andrew, hi. Uh, Andrew's going to be handing the Q&As today as always. Um, so if he appears on our screen at some stage, you know why. Um, so let's get going with the conversation. Um, and Mike, I want to start with you, um, if that's okay. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask a sports team or league is, you know, what's your purpose? Um, and 99,999 times out of 10,000, if that's the right number, basically all the time, the answer I get is, um, you know, our purpose is to win the Super Bowl or to win the championship. Um, I know that the roots have a different view on the world. And I thought that'd be a great place to start. I mean, what is your purpose statement? What is your purpose, your role in the world? Um, and why is, why is that different to what a traditional sports team might say? Yeah, our purpose is um, to harness the magic of Oakland and the beautiful game of soccer as a force for positive social change. Now, I will caveat that by saying that um, we're currently in the process of looking again at our purpose statement and and seeing whether after three years of existence and really a year of, of proper operation as a professional soccer team we need to adapt it based on what we've learned so far but the essence of it the fact that we have a higher purpose beyond just winning games and being commercially successful i think is what you're getting at neil it's it's the it's the dna it's the it's the vision it's the north star of why we created the oakland roots and it goes back to the original vision that Idris had um, where I was brought in, which was doing a soccer team in Oakland, but doing it differently and making it a, a positive force for change. And, and for me, you know, being British by birth, this concept resonated deeply with me because it's really how most professional soccer teams, as I understand them, and the one that I support, for example, came about. They started as a community asset. And over time, because of the deep links they built with the community, and the strong relationships they developed with their fans, um, people started to care about them and that turned into commercial success because people had a brand they identified with and they believed in deeply and they would engage with. And um, that for me is, is why these, these enormous kind of soccer brands in the world are successful today. It's because they built that up over time. Um, and it's because they have a relationship with their fans, which is similar to what a lot of businesses are now understanding about the, the value of purpose-driven business. It's making people care about your brand on a deeper level than just someone who provides a product. And um, so from day one, that was something that we knew was going to be critical to Oakland Roots and was actually 
you know, we've been playing games and filling stadiums for a year. But before that, there was a long time when this was just an idea and myself and Idris and the other members of the founding team were just spending a lot of time sitting in discussions, talking to people um, from the community and from the city about what would be the purpose of a soccer team here. And it really informed everything that we do. The, the purpose statement that I just read back to you is, is the first one we created. And uh, you can go back through all of our notes from all of our meetings and all of our discussions. And that is the consistent thread that has run through everything we've done in trying to build the team. And it's, um, it's a challenge. It's, it's, it's different. Um, you know, I've been doing interviews all the last couple of weeks, actually, with all the different people that go into making up this sports team, the front office, the technical team, the players, and asking them, how does it feel for you to be part of a sports organization, your professional athletes? And we're telling you that the ultimate goal of this organization is not winning trophies and being commercially successful. They're, they're nice things. We want to do them. But ultimately, it's not, um, it's not the it's not the kind of North star that we work towards. And, and that is unusual for a sports team. My role in the team is unusual for a sports team. But I think that you can look back on the success that we've had and see that it was absolutely the right way to go and that the, the commercial success or the kind of response we've had from sponsors and fans in the community has been because of this commitment to purpose. I, I would also say like, it is a learning process. Um, we are, understanding that this is something you have to do every single day it's not just about creating that purpose statement and then that's it put it on your website and then go and do it it is it is constant it is iterative um it is mistakes all the way but it you, you have to stay true to it and you have to keep working on it and you will see the benefits and you know when i talk about having those conversations with the people in the organization who've maybe come from other sports teams where this concept of having a purpose other than being successful on the field is very strange, but the response is 100% overwhelmingly in favor of it. And people feel more deeply connected to the cause. They feel more committed to being excellent, whether that's on the field or off it, because we have this, this purpose to build around. So um, that's been our journey and it's evolving. And I think the work that we're doing right now is, is kind of understanding that from when Idris and I and the other co-founders started three years ago, we are now a much bigger, uh, deeper organization with different types of perspectives, with more people involved. And, and we're really kind of now digging into what the purpose means to them and seeing how we can improve it, how we can uh, make it stronger, how we can build more institutional functions to allow us to stay true to that purpose. And definitely with everything that's gone on in the last six months, um, it's made us even more strongly determined to, to lean into that purpose because we believe that that's the way we're going to be successful in the future. So, Mike, you've answered all my questions without me even asking them. <laughs> I should have expected you to do that. I know how passionate you are about all of this. Um, Idris, if I can come to you next. Um, you know, for people that are potentially uh, possibly listening who are new to this subject or this concept of purpose, um, the kind of prevailing model in U.S. sport anyway is that you, you, know, you do what you do, your focus is to win competitions and uh, prize money and that kind of stuff. Um, and the, you, know, you have a foundation or you have a community relations department that does some good in the community. But help, help, help them to understand or help me to understand along with that, how, how is what Mike is talking about different yeah. to how a traditional U.S. sports team approaches doing good? Yeah, no, it's a great question, and I hope my answer doesn't offend any uh, sports organization in America because I think there there is a lot of 
high level sports clubs that do a lot of good in the community. Um, but I think that in order to see football specifically um, to change and have a proper impact in the States, the way in which we affect communities and have presence in communities definitely needs to change. Um, a lot of sports organizations see the purpose as an arm of the organization or a subset of the organization. And oftentimes um, that just doesn't work um, in the favor of the community and in the favor of um, things that are purpose driven because they're often taking the back seat in a lot of the business objectives. I think the misconception is that in order to make money, you have to detach yourself from this idea of impact and purpose and helping people. And I think that's fundamentally flawed. Uh, we live in a world where, you know, influencers are the new billionaires. Influencers are the new millionaires. Folks are getting paid by brands because of their following, not because of how much they have in their, in their bank account. And so as we begin to build our model, similar to what Mike was talking about, it's impacting millions of lives. It's impacting billions of lives. And then those folks turn into uh, positive ambassadors of the brand purchase merchandise and it becomes a, a full circle of a business operation. Um, back to the fundamentals, I think that impact, purpose, and being successful are actually tremendously tied together and they all contribute to um, positive financial outcomes. And we've seen that within our first year of existence. Um, maybe because we exist in a community that is very polarizing, has very strong political beliefs, um, and, you know, some of the world's most incredible movements have come out of Oakland. So, you know, it's the benefit of our community. They hold us accountable to these principles. But I do think that in order to build proper movements, um, proper culture shifting ideas, you have to think beyond just a football crest on a T-shirt. And folks need to start thinking about how community and impact is actually in the foundation of the organization and in, in the blood of everyone that is working amongst the organization. I think that's a tremendously important thing to do. We are uh, by nature, yes, people. Whenever we, we are in the corporate setting, the majority of folks' answers is yes. And I think that what we try to do at The Roots, and Mike can speak to this a little too, is we, we always like to challenge the assumption and we like to drive conversations further and we like to drive them to a place that sometimes get quite uncomfortable. Um, and I think that's okay. I think that's needed in order to break through the boundary of what most sports organizations in the, in the United States have been used to. Um, and I can use a, a, an example of how we brought those actions to life this past year. Uh, we partnered up with Kaiser Permanente um, to bus 400 kids to our match um, this past season. Um, and we learned that it's not about giving kids free tickets or hoping that they come to the match. It's actually transportation being a fundamental issue for a lot of these children. It's having healthy um, meals and access to food at these games. It's getting home safely. All of those components we designed and thought through and learned that it, that was actually the crux of the problem, not receiving a free ticket. And so when these kids had this full circle experience of getting dropped off at the game, being treated like they are royalty in the community, and then being fed and, and sent home, we've seen a lot of these 
children that are are black are POC become advocates of the brand. And I think that's that's the future of the the sport of soccer in America. And in order to really ensure that it it bleeds through the veins of of most folks in the states, we need to start thinking about the community a bit more. It needs to be in our our DNA as an organization. So Mike, to, to build on that, the you know this concept of being purpose first or purpose driven or purpose um, purpose intentionally purposeful. Um, does that mean that you have to sacrifice anything in terms of the quality of the team you put on the park and your aspirations as a sports team? We don't believe so. Um, we believe that in a perfect world, these things operate together. Now, the interesting thing about that is that if you look back at our performances on the field to date, they haven't been the best. Um, you know, we're a very young team and like a lot of young teams, we have a brand new roster and that takes a while to kind of gel together. And we haven't, we certainly haven't been going out there winning every game yet. The stadium has been packed like over capacity every single match. And that is testament to a large part to the type of relationship we want the fans to have with the team. Now, Oakland is a city that will support its team no matter what, but it's important to us to understand that as a, as a professional sports outfit, you cannot guarantee success on the field every single season. And the nature of soccer being what it is in the United States, there is a limit for progression in the leagues because there is no transition between leagues through promotion relegation. So unless you are winning that league's title every year, or at least getting into playoffs, um, it's easy. And I think this is a problem in professional soccer. It's easy to kind of drift into irrelevancy because you're not winning the title. And so why should people care about you? And in those situations, you need to give the community something to care about. So for us, the success of the team is extremely important. Um, but that is something that that is something we will strive for and we will try and find the best people to achieve it. But we also understand it's not completely in our control. So what is in our control is the relationship we build with our fan base and to make sure that the experience they have and the relationship they have with the club is as deep as it can be and as good as it can be so that that experience is positive even when even when the team isn't winning um certainly when i think about the team i support i sh i definitely don't support them because we win a lot um i support them because my dad did my granddad did and there are deep ties in the community and um and i think that um it's a really interesting conversation neil because you get into the realms there of thinking about how do you think about this purpose when it comes to the team and actually um we're lucky enough to have a head coach uh, a guy called Jordan Farrell um, happens to be one of almost no um, black coaches, black soccer coaches professionally in the United States, is very deeply wedded to our mission and our purpose, really understands what we're trying to do and um, has actually developed whole strategies around how do you turn our purpose into success on the sports field? How do you think about the qualities that make Oakland Oakland and that the fans will respond to you? How do you reflect them in how the team plays, even to the degree of how do you reflect Oakland's diversity of cultures? How do you reflect Oakland's uh, blue collar work ethic? Um, how does that translate into a playing style? Um, and yes, we, we believe that that playing style will be successful, but it's also about maximizing your resources and understanding how to make the best of what's in your environment. And you can point to other teams around the world that have taken this approach. I mean, Athletic de Bilbao in Spain, for example, which only signs players from the Basque country, um, that may seem to be in a, in a free market, a counterintuitive idea, because you're limiting your potential to be successful. But they've understood that they can be 
very successful and probably exceed the potentials of what they could expect to do in an open market if they were just trying to compete with the Barcelona's and Real Madrid's when their access to capital is, is not the same. So there, that really is, is, is our belief is that we have a very specific purpose and, um, and way of achieving it, but we think that we can, we can do both. And, and um, I think that in sports, you know, it is a very crowded landscape. There are very few opportunities to be the champion. Um, there are a lot of competing um, things out there for the time of your fans. You have to think about how you stay relevant and keep that conversation going and make people care about you. And winning games cannot be the only thing. It cannot be the only thing that defines your success. Otherwise, there are going to be many, many times um, when that factor is not there, um, no matter how hard you try and, and, and how close you come. So for us, it's, um, it's been a fascinating process. We're very lucky to have a technical team that understands this process. And it is a constantly iterating discussion about how you align those two things. And it is constant. It is all the time thinking about the, the balance. But the important thing is that we have that conversation and that it's, um, we try and be very intentional to ensure that the purpose is not put to the side yeah. because you say, well, we've got other things to worry about. And, and that, that is the part of our work that is like constantly ongoing and evolving and, and, and takes a lot of focus. So, that, so that's a key point, isn't it? It's, and, and just to build on what you've both said, the difference between a traditional CSR philanthropic-led model, where doing good sits on the outside, on the fringes of the business, compared to where purpose sits at the center, and it affects everything that you do. So it affects the way you operate, it affects the way you operate, you, you select your team, you select your technical staff. Um, it, you really have to make that commitment in order for this approach to work. But that, that creates, when you do that, and we learned this at Super Bowl 50, where we did the same thing. We put this idea of, of using the event as a, as a platform to improve the lives of young people in the Bay Area as the central organizing idea for everything that we did. Um, it affected the way we communicate, the way we uh, built our partnership programs, the way we delivered the event, um, you know, commitment to do that responsibly. And the results were, were um, outstanding, still unsurpassed today in terms of Super Bowls. But in the current environment, environment Idris, um, the, taking this approach is, is a good business decision because you're leaning into um, the way that the world is changing and what fans expect of organizations, the role that fans expect organizations to play in the world, but also um, as a consequence of that, the way that the corporates are starting to engage with sport and the kind of things that corporations are looking for. Now, you mentioned Kaiser Permanente already um, as one of your partners, but I'm interested to understand how, how is this whole commitment to be purposeful driving your commercial strategy and um, helping to feed the bottom line to allow you to do this stuff? Is it working? I'd say yes. Uh, you know, a lot of the sponsors and partners that we've spoken to in the past year and a half, two years, um, a lot of those conversations, Neil, have been centered on, look, we're, and this is coming from the partners and sponsors, we're not fully bought into the traditional sports advertising model, right? With field boards or traditional assets in the stadium, fixated assets that don't move, don't tell stories, and they're just there. That's what sports organizations have been used to. Uh, there's a standard set of assets and folks try to sell those assets at a certain valuation based off of other sports organizations within the same realm. What we did instead 
is use our strength. So our strength has always been in storytelling. It's giving humanity a platform. It's having high aesthetic in all of our design processes, whether it's the in-stadium experience or merchandise um, or even our digital content. All of it is uh, analyzed um, and assessed and uh, held to a very high level and standard. And so when we go to the sponsors, we try to take them impactful stories. And I, I use the example of our most recent relationship with Gig Car Share, which is a local Bay Area organization owned by AAA. Um, we went to them and said, look, Gig, we have an incredible idea around the concept of cardboard cutouts, which just rolled out in, uh, with München Gladbach in Germany, very successful campaign. Um, and we want to be the first club in America to do that here in the States, but we want to do it a little bit differently. We don't want fixated assets in the stadium and then call it a day. We want to take that cardboard cutout campaign and have it live in iconic locations in Oakland um, as an art mural. And we're going to hire, you know, black artists in our community to create this incredible mural. Um, and we've engaged with the likes of Timothy B, who's a famous uh, artist in, in Oakland and so on. But we want to take these assets and have it live and be something way bigger than just a cutout in the stadium. Um, and that's how we take things to the next level. That's how we take it a step further. And Gig absolutely loved the idea. Um, they supported the concept. And we are now calling that, that idea the Faces of Oakland, of which proceeds from that, that campaign go to our purpose partners here in Oakland, California. So there's this full circle of conversations happening about is this really impacting the community does it have the lens of oakland first always which is our tagline and is there a is there an essence to it that's different than what most people are used to those are the assets we try to create those are the conversations that most sponsors and partners are most interested in because they're different and they've never seen those types of assets before so um, we try to push the the envelope in all of those those different ideas that we come up with Mike, in terms of the, the, the doing good piece of all of this, so I'm um, interested to just talk a little bit about some of the outcomes uh, from your decision to embrace this strategy. So I mean, I, the one that I can see is very obvious is this idea of building a sense of pride and belonging in Oakland. Um, you know, Oakland Roots becoming kind of like this, almost like a nation builder, a city builder uh, kind of role, um, which is probably really important given the fact that two of the biggest teams that were there have now left. But what are some examples of some of the other practical ways in which you're making Oakland a better place as a result of um, what you've decided, how you've decided to run the club? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, we, we know we're not, um, we're not creating Oakland pride. That, that existed way before us and will exist long after us. And it was, but it was something that was so obvious to the people who are from here, like Idris and the other founding members, and it was something that we knew had to be part of our brand. We wanted to build a brand and a club that Oakland was proud of. And to do that, we had to represent Oakland and we had to represent um, both what our team looks like, what our stadium experience looks like, what our brand looks like, and also how we show up in the community. And one of the, one of the first things we did was create um, different advisory board structures uh, made up of people who'd been here working for many, many years to get their insight onto what would people expect of a, of a new pro sports team? Like what, what are some of the ways in which we can affect positive social change? Because there are so many issues and um, 
we not only do we not understand them deeply um but there's a limit to what we can do in order to move the needle as a professional sports team um we know we're not going to be dropping million dollar checks on anyone anytime soon um so how do we how do we create change and i think a lot of the you know a lot of people you see these metrics about oh we supported a hundred charities and we gave away this many uh we gave away this much money but then you break it down and it's like well this much of it was free tickets and this this much of it was discounted merchandise this much of it was cash and that was split across a hundred organizations so you're basically giving next to nothing to a lot of organizations so how much difference are you actually making we didn't want to go that route we didn't want to just immediately create a foundation or create a non-profit partner because again there are so many challenges um we wanted to really take the time to listen about how people would expect us to make a difference. So one thing we did was that when we created uh, partnerships with um, youth clubs in Oakland, which is very important for us in terms of building a fan base, um, we didn't just, we didn't just stick to youth soccer clubs because soccer, unfortunately right now is not the place where there is enormous equity of access. Um, it's still exclusionary for a lot of people who can't afford to access the sport. So we made sure that we also built relationships with local nonprofit organizations who've been here in the city using soccer to engage underserved populations for many, many, many years and provided them with the same, if not more access than we gave our youth clubs. Um, and then this additional layer of financial support of building them into every single commercial partnership that we, that we put out there. So every time we have a commercial sponsorship idea, these partners are part of that. So there is always an angle of how we support them. And then we have this constant process of evaluating the different requests that come into us from nonprofit organizations who want to get access to the game or asking for us to help facilitate financial support or whatever it might be. Um, but we're also very conscious of not sort of um, making that part of our work very visible um, because we understand that whatever we do, it's, it's pretty small compared to ultimately the bigger picture of the issues that are facing us here in Oakland. That's from a community impact perspective. We do it and it's a big part of what we do. But for us, the bigger impact comes from understanding what it means to be purpose-driven and what it means to be uh, an, an employer in a city like Oakland, which has been devastated by the coronavirus pandemic, but also by years and years and years of the same structural um, racism that has affected the rest of the country and is now going to be going through this rebuilding process. What is the role that we can play in that? And that's, that's part of the work we're doing right now is to, is to look at every aspect of the business from, for example, um, the different vendors that we hire how can we apply our purpose to our strategy of which vendors we hire or which purchase do we make in order to create the biggest impact within Oakland? Um, because ultimately how we behave as a small business is gonna have more impact than whatever we do as a purely for community benefit. Um, I mean, we're, we're about to actually launch a new, um, a new initiative, which is a, uh, an event, a, a match, which is dedicated to a, a social justice cause. And we expect to be able to use the platform we've built through the successful business brand as a, as a means to generate quite a bit of investment into this social justice cause, which will be linked to racial and gender equity. But um, we're only able to do that because we built this successful purpose-driven brand. And actually, if you think about every aspect of how we operate as a team, what type of player we sign, what we ask them to do in the community, what type of purchasing decisions we make, all of these things 
are part of our purpose. And one of our, again, on the ongoing kind of work that we're doing is figuring out how do we measure, track, and communicate that so that at the end, like what I would like to see is at the end of the year, we have a kind of ability to kind of report on our impact where whatever we did on the soccer field is number six or seven. Now, my, the head coach might not agree with me on that one, um, but we understand that it's, it's part of a number of outcomes that we want to deliver to be able to show this was our, this was our success over this year in terms of contributing to the city of Oakland. And if we win a title, great. And if we don't win a title, it's, it's just part of that, uh, part of those success metrics. So, you know, Idris has talked about some of the work we've done with, with giving kids these experiences and we've, um, been able to support our, our purpose partners financially. But again, I think that the actual measure of how impactful we're going to be is going to be in terms of when we can say as an organization, we've been in existence less than a year as a functioning professional sports team, when we can say this is what we've done to contribute to every aspect of the city of Oakland. I think another thing that that is interesting is what is our role as a cultural platform. Um, if I was looking at this, the Oakland Museum of California went through a process where it was trying to understand what is its purpose and they've, they've shared quite a lot of really interesting content online where they were trying to understand what is a museum, what's it for, what, what role does it play and um, they sort of settled on this fact that it is a lot about celebrating diversity, about giving people a platform to connect and share about promoting diversity of culture and really that's what we're also trying to do because if you come to our game day and you look at a lot of what people have said about our match day experience it's that it has created a space within oakland that either has not existed or has been marginalized over the last few years where for example you know a raiders game traditionally would be a little bit intimidating to certain fans uh, a warriors game may be too expensive and now geographically inaccessible we're trying to create a space which celebrates um, a certain kind of uh, quality of the Oakland community where people want to go to to see each other and it becomes a community event which actually has a, a tangible value uh, and that's it's important to us that we understand that that is part of our part of our success if we if if our purpose is harnessing the magic of Oakland then we should have metrics to talk about how well we um, achieve that goal um, so I would say we're not we're not at the point yet, Neil, where we have the the data to to really prove this. But that's what we're working towards: is being able to say, you know, here is here is what we've done, and community impact is part of that. But it's it's number five. Success on the field is number six. But numbers one to four is really how we've lived up to the purpose in terms of um, yeah, harnessing the magic of Oakland and the beautiful game of soccer as a force for social change. Um, that that's where that's where I think we'll be. Um, very soon. Well, I, I, I look forward to reading the first purpose statement from a football club or a soccer club. That'll be really cool. So, Andrew, you have a question for us, I assume, seeing as you've decided to get, crash the party here. I, I do, I do. There's um, some really good ones that are coming in. So, um, the first kind of group is around, um, a group of questions is around, and Mike, you already mentioned the coach and, and his involvement and and the mission and the purpose behind, uh, behind the club and, and what you what y'all are doing. But a, a couple of questions have come in around um, the player involvement, 
you know, how much of, of what y'all are doing goes into uh, recruitment and, and getting these players on board and, it, you know, how much of that is, is a motivation for them to join the club. And then additionally, there's, there's a couple of questions actually around the league as well. You know, does, how does the league see um, what y'all are doing compared to the other clubs and, and, and the involvement it may have? Yeah, maybe Mike and I can kind of piggyback off of each other on, on a couple of these things. Um, I'll use the example of uh, Nana Atakora, who was a Canadian national team member, um, played in several you know tiers of the U.S. soccer structure, class act, and our current captain for the team. Um, he had a choice to go to several different clubs um, in, in his selection process um, last year and had really just been kind of captivated at the concept of a club that can do positive things for the world and really adhered to the brand and that attracted him. So I think that as soccer, as soccer teams and sports clubs begin to think about attractability, doing good in the world and having that as a part of your function um, does attract uh, some of the best talent in the world. And that's just my, that's my opinion. And so um, that's a positive example of how that um, our brand and our, um, you know, little work. And I say little work because we're so young and we're so nimble in our staff and we have so much more work to do. Um, Mike, we, Mike and I talk about this every day. I mean, there's, there's just constant things to debate, constant things to discuss, and there's never a end goal for purpose. It's always changing as long as the world exists. So we have to be able to adapt in that way, but we're doing our best and that um, paired with a strong brand allows for players and, and uh, our front office, which is full of amazing people um, to be attracted to this type of an organization. So I'd say it helps with the attractability in regards to NISA and the, and why we selected this pathway. I mean, there's several reasons. Some are um, strategic, some are because it was the only real kind of pathway we could go professionally, but um, I was actually a part of the brand advisory committee uh, back when Peter Wilt and some other folks were, were involved with the league. And the concept of the league was really built on this idea of allowing for identities um, to be built uh, by the communities that these clubs exist in. And it was to remove the barriers to entry. So, you know, you don't need $250 million, uh, $300 million to get into Tanisa. You don't need uh, several millions of dollars to get into NISA. Instead, um, the model is take that capital um, that would go to a few select owners and invest it back into your community, invest it back into your club so that you can be successful and build a, a sustainable model um, in soccer uh, within your local community. So we were, we love that concept and we love the idea of uh, being independent and having control of our brand and our identity. And that's helped us really pave this pathway of purpose early on in the process. Mike, I don't know if you have anything to add there. Yeah, just in terms of the players, um, it, is, it is part of our selection, recruitment and onboarding process to really instill in the players what our purpose is. Um, and that is something which has been reflected in the work they've done in the community. And part of the reason why we've built quite quickly this very strong fan base is because people identify with our players and we're, we're fortunate enough that we are as Idris said we're fairly dynamic and, and accessible compared to maybe some professional sports teams and our players are 
members of the community, they're recognized, they, they are extremely humble, they're extremely passionate about that side of their work. And, um, and it means that they build these very strong relationships um, and because people respond that, respect that and they respond to it. If they, if they know the players who are on the field, um, they will come out and support them. And um, that's been, th that's absolutely part of the, the player development experience. And we have certain values and qualities that we want, that we expect from our players and that we want to help them grow into. And these are all, again, related to our purpose because they are related to the values that we believe a team with our purpose should celebrate. Yeah. Um, so there is a constant process of education amongst our players, which again is part of their journey. And I think part of the value they see in being part of this organization and both ways actually, because I think across the last few weeks with everything that's happened with the social justice protests, it has created this phenomenal exchange between our players and everyone in our organization um, about the experiences that we share within the organization and how people have responded to them. And, and we've had the like really, really powerful moments where we've sort of abandoned all of the traditional structures of how this, an organization like this is run and created very open, um, transparent, horizontal discussions across all different um, aspects of our organization, which has allowed people to express feelings that they've never had the ability to express before in their life as a professional athlete and it's been very powerful for us to hear the responses of some of these guys who've been involved in professional sports their entire lives telling us that this is the first time they're able to address topics like this to have these conversations with um, different people from different backgrounds and it's it's made us a better educated about how we can perform um, to serve our the our athletes and people in our organization and also more determined than ever that we can create a value um, in our organization that will appeal to athletes as well as fans. And, and it will be a kind of way to attract the best talent um, by providing the type, this type of environment, because I think it's something that people respond to, because as we know, it's not, um, you know, the idea of shut up and dribble is, is kind of dead, that that's, uh, athletes are, are human beings, they have a holistic existence. And we think that by nurturing and investing in that side of it, we're going to produce better results on the field as well. Right, Andrew, another question. Yeah, I think we have time for, for one more. And I suppose this is kind of the, the billion dollar question, as they say. But uh, a couple of people have asked, you know, the, the Roots obviously launched, you know, a, as a club with this purpose embedded in what y'all are doing. And, you know, people are, are, are asking and wondering, how does a more traditional sports um, organization uh, or ha that has launched in a more traditional way or you know has a hundred year history of being more traditional and more typical how, how do they start to reimagine relaunch uh, and imbue this into purpose more more holistically it indeed is a billion dollar question right um, billion dollar sports organizations I think are asking these questions every day uh, among staff and um, I think the uh, it's my answer is probably more simple than it seems, but it's, it's truly to flip the script, right? Like, and not be fearful from day one, everything that we've done in our organization has felt like a leap off of a cliff. And it's been us building our wings on the way down. And I think a lot of these organizations have been stuck very similar to some of our cultural, uh, you know, experiences in the world. Like you can't, you can't unlearn, 
you know, double digit years, hundreds of years of history. You just can't do that. And that therefore the burden is truly on these newer organizations to show the world that this is actually possible. You can grow from small to big and still be able to have those ideals instilled. And it's going to take time. Um, I was on a town hall call with, with the Warriors um, a couple of days ago with 330 staff members. And we were just speaking about these grassroots movements. The Warriors have done such an excellent job of being uh, as present in the community as they can. But, you know, at that level, the complexities are so deep, right? There's 330 plus staff members. There's 200, you know, part-time staff that scale up on game day. There's just a lot going on with a whole bunch of different objectives. And it's super difficult to like strip away process and make folks think about what purpose actually is. Rather, it really has to be built in the foundational level. And sometimes that takes flipping the script and asking very, very difficult questions and sometimes being okay with uh, very difficult conversations. Um, but I also do think that sports executive, executives in the, in the US, if not throughout the world, are fixated on the way things should be done. And if there was a book that I can buy from Barnes and Noble that said how to live life perfectly, and if everyone were able to follow that and, and do extremely well, you know, everyone would be in the same boat with success, but that's just not the case. There's, there's millions of different pathways towards success. There's, you know, hundreds and thousands of pathways towards uh, building a purposeful organization. And I think folks need to start to do that at the foundational level. It's a tough question. Um, difficult to to address, but it just takes a little bit of uh, unlearning what folks are used to and being okay with with asking the difficult questions. Mike, yeah, I would support that. I would say that it is it is possible to it is possible to kind of reimagine your purpose. I think brands are doing it all the time, um, but the, what it requires is authenticity. Um, that is everything. You have to believe in and commit to it, as Idris said. And a lot of times that is uncomfortable because somewhere along the line, you're going to have to give something away. And I think that the structures we have in, not just in sports business, but in business in general, have not been designed in a way that encourages or celebrates or rewards people giving things away. And it's not a natural feeling. Um, we have tried at the roots, I think, to think about, um, you know, we are here for Oakland. We are not here to build the most successful sports franchise in the world. I mean, that would be nice, but primarily we're here for the city and everything we do, we try to think about it through that lens. And that involves some challenging discussions, which is still challenging to us because it goes against what you are taught is the right, the right way of doing things. So I think it's not impossible, but you have to be authentic about doing it. And if you're not authentic, then it's just not gonna work. Um, well, thank you both for that. And, and I, I would add that there's a couple of other dimensions to that as well, which are around, um, you know, look, learn from others. So learn from organizations like Roots, but also learn from organizations and business, bigger businesses than any sports business in the world have made this change um, very successfully. You know, businesses like Unilever, Procter & Gamble. I mean, these are multinational global businesses that make, you know, probably you know, on their own as big as the whole sports industry in the U.S., um, and they've been able to make the change. And I think it starts with leadership. It's about the leadership and the ownership, recognizing that the world today is a different place to what it was five years ago. The old model is no longer relevant. Um, and 
that if you don't change, you're actually going to become irrelevant in time. So there's an imperative to do this. It's about um, reinventing yourself to be successful going forward in the future. Um, and to your point, Mike, about being prepared to give things away, yes, I think you do need to be prepared to do that. But I think you also need to be prepared to accept many new things that will come as a consequence of this. Because I have no doubt that you'll build a stronger, more resilient, thriving business uh, by putting purpose at the center as opposed to treating it as some ancillary activity. Um, but the first step is wanting to make the change uh, and recognizing um, that, it, that it is possible to do good and do well in sport. Um, and uh, yeah, just grab the bull by the proverbial horns and just do it. You know, the greatest businesses in the world, uh, the greatest movements in the world were, were started by people just believing that they could get it done. So hats off to both of you guys and to your team at Oakland Roots. It's uh, amazing what you've built. I remember the first time Mike spoke to me about the idea of this startup soccer team in Oakland. And I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. Uh, sounds like a heavy lift. But, um, you know, a couple of years on and you've, you've made it happen. So congratulations. And uh, I hope that you do become an inspiration to others to, to follow to follow um, the way. So it's been a great conversation. Uh, our time is up. Just a couple of promotional um, pieces. First off, Oakland uh, or Roots Radio um, is uh, my new podcast. Uh, Mike hosts that show and I really enjoy it. So if you want to stay up with the conversation, Roots Radio is a good place to do that. And I think you can find that on most places where you can find podcasts um, or just engage with the website. And, uh, and I'm sure Mike and Idris would, would love to continue the conversation. Um, for those of you that haven't already joined our um, Slack um, platform, Sports 2.0, uh, please do that. I think Mike, uh, I think Andrew rather will include the link um, in the either in the, the the chat bar here or certainly in the the notification or the, the recording that goes out um, of today's webinar. Um, join the conversation, keep the conversation going in that Slack channel. There's some great content in there. Um, and we look forward to seeing you back here uh, for our English version in about a month's time. Um, we will continue the conversation around um, you know, how do we reinvent the role of sport in society? How do we help uh, sport to become more than just about entertainment, but also to become a community asset? Um, and how do we help sport to do good and do well? Thank you for sharing your time with us today. And enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you soon. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this edition of Legacy Sport Live, the companion podcast series to our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Please visit our website at www.legacysport.org to order your copy of the book and join our growing community of sports business professionals committed to doing good while doing well through sport.